Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries, and in this episode I'm going to be looking at the Lost Classes, the Arnasonian Classes by R.J. Thompson, a gateway to adventure supplement for use with original edition fantasy and old school essentials retro adventure games. Cue the music. Okay, so I'm going to be taking the, a look at this supplement this evening based on the the conversation that I've been trying to have with you guys about my ideas about skills and thieves, which I did recently in the Thief episode and the F Mag skills episode. And I suppose I've got that idea lodged in my mind of how you could represent skills and sort of strange, quirky little abilities that, you know, you wouldn't normally sort of demonstrate in a D&D game, certainly in the earlier versions, but how could you do it without adding unnecessary complexity to your game? And I originally came across this PDF when I was looking for a way to represent a sage, the NPC Quilak, the Ice Walker sage, in my Smoke and Snow old school essentials game and the the sort of guidelines on how sages come up with their answers and stuff like that was a little bit woolly and i didn't want to have to be adjudicating every time the players asked whether he could find out something because they'd hired this guy quilak on retainer who talks a bit like this and he was a bit bit based on like orco out of the old he-man cartoons but um i i just wanted to have a quick simple mechanism that i could use to determine whether he knew about the subject that was being asked about and after scouting around on the internet someone i forget who i apologize recommended this supplement to me so i'm going to do a quick flip through now talk a little bit about it i suppose a little mini review you might say so let's go through it first of all we've got the cover page here as you can see and the credits nice big thing saying it's designed for use with old school essentials and is by appendix n entertainment so skipping on we get the introduction that talks about the early days of DD and there being a plethora of different gaming sources and third-party materials it also talks about the idea that as the as the hobby was sort of honed and the, the system of DD was sort of winnowed down some things became canon and became permanently etched in the mythos of DD, whereas some of the things that might have been featured earlier sort of odd little thought experiments sort of fell by the wayside and were lost to time and space the lost classes series in the greater gateway to adventure line is seeking to revive these classes that fell to the wayside and make them available again and i think that's a worthwhile goal now some people out there might be like oh no too much classes too much bloat and i can sort of see the i can sort of see where that opinion comes from you know i mean if you try and cram like 35 different classes all into the same game it's probably going to be a bit of a jumbled mess i'm not saying you can't do it but i personally would probably struggle with it but what i like to do is i like to have as wide a pool of classes as possible to pull on and then i sort of winnow that down for the specific game i'm looking at so in this supplement we first of all see 
the merchant class and it's not difficult to see why that might have fallen by the way so you know trading's not exactly as exciting as delving into dungeons and stuff like that but it's a well-established trope of fantasy settings and i can certainly imagine a few players in my past who would really love that whole sort of downtime element of running a trade concern and stuff like that so what do you actually get as a merchant well yeah d6 hit dice per level maximum level 14 you can use leather chain armor or shields any weapons you have a guild membership you belong to a merchant's guild you must pay five percent of the final value of any treasure as like your guild dues or a tithe you have an ability called no direction where a first level merchant has a three in six chance of successfully determining cardinal directions this increases to a four in six chance at fifth level and a five and six at tenth level which is very useful if you're adventuring in a wilderness setting to prevent you from getting lost they start play with one additional language and they get more as they go up you know presumably from having traded with multiple different peoples you also get some merchant skills which are done in the percentile manner of thief skills from the traditional sort of bx dnd you get to find or remove traps open locks very familiar to anyone who's played older versions of DD. however you also get bargaining where you can attempt to bargain when buying and selling goods the percentage chance to bargain is increased by 10 percent if you've got a high charisma of 16 to 17 and 15 percent if you've got a charisma score of 18. they also get appraisal where they can accurately determine the market value of an object given an adequate examination they get equivocate where you're skilled in the art of equivocation, the ability to use ambiguous language to hide the truth and mislead people. They get a sort of read languages skill, which is similar to the thief, and at higher levels, they can use scrolls. So that's pretty interesting. There's not a great deal of detail about what to the, uh, the sort of bargaining, what the actual system benefits are, but I think it'd be fairly easy to adjudicate. We then move on to the sage which has d4 hit dice maximum level 14 can wear leather or chain armor can use any weapons they're learned people who are sought after by the nobility and adventurers alike for their advice and knowledge again they have guild membership this time they've got to pay 10 percent of all treasure as a guild tithe they're linguists so again they accumulate languages quite quickly like the merchant we're told that while a sage will work with any number of other sages outside of adventuring, it's a rare thing to find more than one in an adventuring party. They get a read languages ability, same as thieves. They also have the sage's curse, where a sage who is dying due to a malicious act has the ability to place a curse upon their assailant. The curse level is determined by the level of the sage. A low level of sage might cause impaired vision, leaving a minor penalty a mid-level sage might bestow actual blindness the greatest of sages might bestow a curse to never make a saving throw again and this is worked out between the gm and the player which normally i'm not sure i'd be a massive fan of sort of breaking the action to adjudicate these sort of things but you know if it's literally your character's the last gasp and it's their curse i don't think it's too bad but we get to the core of it now which is their sage knowledge Every sage begins having at least one area of expertise. Sages with exceptional intelligence may have more than one area of expertise, and those with an intelligence score of 18 or higher will have at least average knowledge of all categories. 
And the way this works is you look at a list of categories from biology to geology to history, and then there is a table provided to determine the percentage chance of the sage knowing information about um, categories, whether they're ones that they specialize in or whether they're ones that they have average knowledge in. And that obviously increases your knowledge as you go up in level and based on your intelligence score. For every level gained, the sage's chance of success increases by 2% in categories they've got an average understanding of and 5% in categories they have an above average understanding in. If a sage has access to a library and takes time for research, an additional 5% is added. If they have the means or is working for a patron, an additional 1% to 10% chance is added for every 50,000 gold pieces spent on equipping them with a proper library. The maximum this bonus can reach is 50%. Although none of this gets rid of the need to spend time researching these subjects. In addition to answering questions that may arise, a sage may use their knowledge in a pragmatic sense. They might be able to craft items pertaining to their expertise. They can also use magic items. And after reaching 12th level, they have enough knowledge and experience to begin to teach new sages. They can establish a guild hall or a school attracting trainee sages to them. So this is the equivalent of the fighter building his fortress and stuff like that. We then move on in the supplement to new beast folk classes. Now, I'm not terribly keen on sort of beast folk classes, sort of like anthropomorphic animals. Nothing against them. It's just not my particular flavour, to be honest. But let's see what we've got. So we've got chimpanzee folks here, and this is a race class. And they're basically a, a sort of sage class you know they've got the uh, the knowledge categories and um, base chances to answer questions like the sage has they also have the ability to craft they have some additional skills at evasion falling and tightrope walking they can climb sheer surfaces fall without taking so much damage etc puts me very much in mind you know the um the, the chimpanzees in planet of the apes they're expert linguists, they have evasion when they're retreating from melee. Their ability to tumble negates the opponent's usual plus two bonus to hit. They pick up languages pretty quickly like a sage. They can use magic scrolls of any spells on an arcane list. So yeah, it's a pretty interesting class. Like I say, I don't know whether I'd go in for it, but like I say, it puts me in the mind of the, um, the chimpanzees from Planet of the Apes. Although that might be just because I was watching some of the original films last night. Next up, we go on to Duck Folk, which I know is a thing in some RPGs. I've never really understood it myself, but, you know, whatever floats your boat, that's absolutely fine. Let's see what they have going for them. They've got no direction. They're natural swimmers. They can resist charm. They can turn undead. So we're looking at a sort of a mix of, like, the merchant abilities and the sort of cleric abilities here, which... It's an interesting mix, to be honest. It puts me in the mind of, you know, like the wandering sort of wise man and stuff like that. So it could be interesting. Although, like I say, again, the sort of like Howard the Duck vibe isn't really for me. But, like I say, different strokes for different folks. We then get a, some separate rules for using race and class separate. If you're using, like, the advanced rules from old school essentials. And, again, this covers the, the chimpanzee folk the duck folk who seem to have a bit more of a sort of eastern flavor here we've got this guy with some sort of katana there and the the previous drawing had a bit of a sort of eastern 
stereotypical monk by it. And then we go on to a list of Appendix N material, which is books, films, music, television that inspired this work. And finally, we have the open game license and the back cover. So what do I think of Lost Classes of the Arnesonian Classes? Well, to be honest, it's available at $5 for the PDF on drive-through, which is pretty cheap. You get two non-human sort of racist classes, classes, along with optional rules. If you want to have race and class as something separate, which if you like your anthropomorphic animals, that's going to be a big thing for you. I can see people loving those. Although, to be honest, you, if you don't like the anthropomorphic animals like me, you could easily tweak them to be something else. The main selling point for me, though, is definitely the merchant and the sage classes. I think those are really cool. I'm not sure if they'd be to everyone's particular taste, but I think they occupy an important sort of niche in the fantasy world. And I would be very happy to play either of those classes in a game of old school essentials. I quite like the idea of, you know, being a sort of a background character who obviously you pull your weight during the actual game. But, you know, between sessions, you can be like, oh, yeah, well, I've, uh, I've researched this. I know a little bit about this. Give me a bit of time. I can find the answer to this. And you can play that sort of eccentric sort of a sage and uh, archivist and stuff like that. But I also like the fact if you're if you're doing like a big wilderness hex crawl or something like that, and you want to add an extra dimension for like why you're going out and exploring things, or someone to help you do that, having a trader in the party could be really useful because they're really handy for finding all the directions. They know a lot of languages, so they're able to like interact with more people. So it's opening up extra avenues of exploration for your characters socially whilst you're exploring the world geographically. So if any of that sounds interesting at all to you, I would highly advise picking up a copy of Lost Classes, the Arnesonian Classes from Appendix and Entertainment. As I've said, it's $5 US on a drive-thru RPG. You really cannot go far wrong with that. So I hope you've enjoyed this little mini look at this supplement for Old School Essentials. If you want to talk to us about it, tell us why you like it, why you don't like it, or chat about anything else to do with tabletop RPGs, then you can get in touch a number of ways. You can drop us a voicemail at SpeakPipe or Anchor using the links down below, or you can send us an email to rdrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you again, take care, stay safe, and whenever you're playing, have fun.